like you to turn in your Bible over to Ephesians chapter 1. Today we are talking about someone who is very, very important, someone who we don't talk about enough, and that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is a person. He is one with the Father, one with the Son. But we're going to talk today specifically about the Holy Spirit in the area of salvation. Not only what he does before a person is saved, but what he does to a person once they get saved. We see these precious truths here, and we're going to mainly look at the book of Ephesians. But I've entitled this today, The Holy Spirit, Our Unbreakable Seal. You might say, well, I don't know if I'm really that interested in this. Oh, you need to be interested in this because this brings with it such tremendous truths and benefits to the church and to the Christian. Now, as we have started this series in the book of Ephesians, going verse by verse, written by the Apostle Paul, we've seen many, many blessings so far. In very quick review, it says in Ephesians 1, 7, referring to Jesus Christ, it says, in whom, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Redemption, to deliver by paying a price. Jesus shed his blood. You notice that it says redemption through his blood. The blood of Jesus Christ had to be shed on the cross, poured out on the cross. Otherwise, we could not be saved. And so that was the purchase price. That was the cost that God demanded be paid for the sins of the world. Jesus, God himself, eternally the Son of God, came into the world, went to the cross, died on the cross, shed his blood there, was buried, and three days later rose from the grave, providing for us a payment for our sins. And when you put your faith, your trust in him as your savior, that payment is put to your account. It's put to your account, and it's just like you paid for your sins, but in fact, Jesus paid for your sins, but you're accepting the payment he made as your own. When you do that, God honors that and he saves you. He gives you, you notice it says, the forgiveness of sins. He releases your sins from you. He sends them away. They're canceled out. Now, why does he do that? Well, it's because of the riches of his grace. See, God's grace, grace is God's unmerited kindness or favor towards us. This is the work of God. It's all the work of God. Jump down to verse 11. It says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. You notice how you get into heaven? You trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You don't get in by good works, you don't get in by behaving. No, you get in by believing, by putting your faith in Jesus Christ as the one who died in your place, paid for your sins, and the one who offers you eternal life. And friends, it is a gift. It is a gift. You can't earn it. Now, you may have come here today, and if I were to ask you before you came in, hey, where are you going when you die? And you might say, I really don't know. Maybe someone would say, well, I think I go to hell the way I've lived Somebody else will say, well, I'm good enough to get into heaven. None of those answers are the right one. The answer is this. You can know you're going to heaven if you'll put your trust in Jesus Christ as the one who paid for all your sins. You might say, that's it? That's it. 
that's it, as we will see as we go through the text here. Now, once you've trusted Christ as Savior, God gives you everlasting life or eternal security is another way to put it. You are secure forever. In other words, once you've trusted Christ, there's nothing that could ever happen to you or there's nothing you could ever do that would take away the salvation God has given you. We oftentimes talk about eternal security and that once you have put your faith in Christ, you're saved forever. But do we believe that? You know, there are people who say, oh, you people, you just believe that because that's convenient. It makes you feel good. No, friends, we don't believe it because it makes us feel good. We believe it because that's what the Bible teaches. Is it just wishful thinking? No. It is, in fact, the truth of Scripture, and it is the only position, listen, it is the only position that fits the Word of God and what the gospel provides. Years ago, I wrote a little booklet, and you can get one for free here at church. It's a little booklet, and it was called The Permanence of Salvation, 12 Reasons Why Once Saved, Always Saved is True. All right, I recommend you pick that up. I think they're one or two dollars in our resource center. If you can't afford that, take one. You can have it for free. But there's many good reasons why we know that once you're saved, you're saved forever. One of the reasons we believe it is because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in securing and sealing us in our salvation. In other words, the Holy Spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit, when you trust Christ as Savior, one of the reasons we know we can't be lost is because he secures us and he seals us in. And that's what we're looking at in our text today. Now, this is a glorious truth. It's a glorious truth. Unfortunately, very few people get it because they're not reading their Bible and understanding what it's saying. Ephesians 1.13, it says this, in whom, referring to Jesus, in whom ye also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed or upon believing, you were sealed. In other words, you heard the gospel, you believe the gospel. What is the gospel? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15, 3, and 4. So you hear the gospel. We put our faith in Christ as Savior when we believe, and then look what it says. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Now let's back it up a little bit, and let's define some things, okay? Very, very important. Number one, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is every bit as much God as the Father or the Son. He's the third person. Now, in the Scriptures, we learn many things about Him. So today, we are going to look at just a few of them. We're going to look at the ongoing ministry of the Holy Spirit. He is active today. He is working today. He's working in your life. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit of God is actually working in your life. You might say, I really wasn't aware of that. I just thought that was something in the Bible. I really never understood it. I want you to understand it today because it's incredibly significant. The Holy Spirit is working in your life. Not only is he working in your life because he's God. Can I tell you this? He is, get this, 
He is working in the life of every person on the planet. I want you to hold your place here and look with me to John chapter 16. The ongoing ministry of the Holy Spirit. Number one, he is convicting the world of their need of a savior. He's convicting the world. You might say, well, why don't more people get saved? Why don't more people become Christians? I can tell you that because they're resisting the conviction. They're rejecting the conviction. But make no mistake about it, he is working. John chapter 16, verse 7. It says, nevertheless, Jesus is speaking here, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away... This is while he was here on earth, talking about one day he would go to be with the Father. For if I go not away, the Comforter, by the way, that's the Holy Spirit, will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now here you go. And when he has come, he will reprove, and the word reprove means convict, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged, okay? He's convicting the world of sin. He's convicting the world of its sin. He's convicting the people of the world of their sin. Why do people get so hostile towards the things of God? Can I tell you why? Because they're living under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And when they come face to face with righteousness or the truth of God's word, those who do not want it are going to attack it. But that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's not working. As a matter of fact, it shows he is working because they're touchy about it. They're sensitive about it. How else do you explain the fact that the whole world can talk about everything under the sun, but when you bring up Jesus Christ, everything grinds to a halt. You know why? Because the world is being convicted. That's why. The Holy Spirit is doing that work. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father. You see me no more. Okay, God is righteous, and Jesus Christ will rule and reign in eternity. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. There is a judgment coming. Satan is a defeated foe. The prince of this world. He is a defeated foe, and it's only a matter of time until he gets his judgment. See, many people don't even realize they're being convicted until they trust in Christ the Savior. Now, I I never preach experience, but I can share experience, right? This may have not been this way for you, but I can tell you the way it was for me. I didn't even know I was under conviction before I got saved. I didn't even know who the Holy Spirit was, you know. Back then, it was the Holy Ghost, and, you know, ghosts are bad. You didn't think in terms of ghosts. I mean, Casper was okay. Actually, I never liked Casper. I thought he was kind of a wimp, all right? Some of you are saying, what is this guy flipped? Who's Casper? Well, they called him a friendly ghost. I don't know how how friendly he was. Actually, he was a cartoon, if you really must know. But here's the point. Everybody, you know, Holy Ghost. Well, we just kind of blow that off. Oh, I don't believe in ghosts. Therefore, I don't believe in the Holy Ghost. No, it's the Holy Spirit, and you should believe in him because he is God, and he has always been, and he always will be. And I know this, the night I put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior. See, I went to a meeting 
with a friend who got me out, had been working to get me out, made me promise a month before the meeting that I would go to this meeting. Well, the day came and I didn't want to go, but I said, okay, okay, I'll go. But the only reason I'm going to this meeting is to prove to you once and for all that what they teach there is not true. And so I went to this meeting and I heard the gospel. I heard what Christ had done for me. I understood I couldn't save myself. I put my faith in Jesus Christ alone as my savior. And when I did, my sins were forgiven. I was redeemed by the blood of the lamb. I was given eternal life and the Holy Spirit came to live inside of me. And you know, when my sins are forgiven, folks, remember the Holy Spirit's ministry, convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. When I trusted Christ as my savior, this was just my experience. I'm not saying it has to be this way for you, but it was like a piano had been taken off my back. I did not feel any longer the weight of my sin. Listen, I didn't even know it was there but it was. How do you know that? Because that's what the Bible says. See, I was being convicted. Look with me to Ephesians, back to Ephesians chapter one. It says this in verse 13, it says, in whom, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Notice again, the way of salvation, faith in Christ in verse 13. After you believe, that's faith in Christ. They heard the word of truth, the gospel, and as a result, they responded to it by putting their faith in Jesus Christ to save them. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, he said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You notice it's through the gospel, the good news that Jesus died, paid for our sins, rose from the grave. And when you put your faith in him, that brings salvation, eternal life into your life. But I love verse 17, which we don't look at often enough. It says this, For therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The righteousness of God. Do you ever wonder if a church or a ministry or a person is preaching the true gospel? Let me ask you this. Here's the question. Whose righteousness are you being told is the way of salvation? Is it man's righteousness through good deeds? That's a false gospel. If it's God's righteousness through what Jesus Christ did on the cross, that's salvation. It's only the righteousness of God that brings salvation. But we see his ministry, number two, we see his ministry in the work of sealing our salvation. And this is where this gets really exciting. Verse 13, You notice it says, in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The seal is none other than the person of the Holy Spirit. The seal is God himself. Why can't you be lost once you're saved? Because God himself is the seal of keeping you saved. I love what the Holy Spirit is called here in verse 13. The Holy Spirit of promise. Promise. You know, when people promise things, I don't get too excited about that, especially if they're in politics. But when God promises, I can get into that. He can't lie. He can't lie. You might say, well, what if he goes, no, 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 you missed it. He can't lie. 
because lying is a sin. It's not possible for God to lie. Therefore, when he promises something, it is an absolute 100% ironclad promise. It's yours. Whatever he promises, he promises. The Holy Spirit of promise. We see that Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come, right? Did he? Yes, he did. The Holy Spirit keeps his promises because he is God. This, is, uh, this issue of promise is a reflection on not only the person's character, but also the scriptures, which are his creation. See, the Bible is a book of promise. The Bible is inspired, God-breathed by the Holy Spirit. The Bible, the words of the Bible, not just the thoughts or concepts now, the very words of Scripture are inspired by God. He gave us each and every word of the Scriptures. And which part of the Godhead? Well, it's attributed to the Holy Spirit of God. And it's a book of promises. And we know it's a book of promises because it comes from God and he can't lie. But also, and this is very important, he promises to keep us saved. Now listen, there could be a lot of backgrounds here today as far as in people watching, as far as your background, as far as your religion, your faith, your denomination or whatever. And maybe you're part of a denomination that says, oh yeah, everything's all good as long as you keep believing or as long as you stay faithful and all that. But you can get to the point where you can walk away and then you lose your salvation. Uh Uh-uh. No, it doesn't work that way. Because if you can lose your salvation, you're stronger than God is. He promises to never lose you. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit's part in your eternal security is he seals you. He seals you into the body of Christ. The word seal, it means to seal, to close up and make fast with a a seal signet such as letters or books, so that they may not be read, okay? Being sealed with the Holy Spirit can be seen in examining the roots of this term. Here's the way things used to be. By the way, do you understand there was a time when there was no texting and there was no email? When kings wanted to get a letter someplace and he wanted to be sure that people understood this was from the king, What they would do is they would take the scroll, they'd write on a scroll, and they would roll up the scroll, and then where the edge of the scroll met the body of the scroll on the outside, they would pour hot wax. And then the king had a special ring with his emblem on it, his symbol. He would take that ring, and into the hot wax, he would push that ring, and he would seal that with his seal. As the seal dried, his mark would be on that. You could call that the king's seal. When the Bible says in verse 13, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit, that's exactly what it's talking about. It created a seal of authenticity and protection. The impression made was proof that what was contained inside that letter or scroll belonged to that certain person. And again, this is exactly the word used in the Bible to explain what happens when you put your faith in Christ, you are sealed, according to verse 13, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now you might say, well, I thought we were sealed by. We'll get to that scripture in just a minute. It's more than that. 
It's not just by the Holy Spirit. It is with the Holy Spirit. He is the seal, okay? He is the seal. Hold your place here and look at John chapter 10 with me. We'll be back to Ephesians in just a moment. Look at John chapter 10. I want you to see something that is such a blessing. See, friends, if you can be saved today and then lose it down the road, where's the good news? If you can lose it down the road, that means you can lose it by not living right. You're committing some sin. Let me ask you this. How many sins did Jesus die for on the cross? He died for all of them, past, present, and future. If I could lose my salvation down the road because of some sin, that means Jesus didn't pay for that sin. The good news turns into bad news because, hey, if he didn't pay for that sin, as we've already seen in our study, that sin will remain unpaid because he's not coming back to do it again. He paid for sin once for all, all of it. If he didn't pay for all of it, then none of it matters. But he did pay for all of it. Jesus said this in John 10, 28, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. The word never means never, in no way, under any circumstances, at any time. That's what the word never means. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Are you a human being here today? Nod your head, yes, I'm a human being, okay. If you're not a human being, go like this, and I don't want to look at you if you're not a human being. (laughs) You notice this? I give unto them eternal life. Who is this? Those who are her sheep, those who are believers in Christ, because believers are called sheep, unbelievers are called goats in Scripture. So when it refers to a sheep here, it's referring to a believer. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Now, chew on that for a second. I want to show you something, but before I do, turn back to Ephesians. When you get to Ephesians, though, I want you to go to chapter 4. I have an illustration here today. Here you are. You might say, no wonder I was feeling kind of blah. Now I understand. Here you are, okay? Here is God. Here's God the Father. Here's Jesus Christ. Here's the Holy Spirit. Here's what happens when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Here you are, you're going through life. You hear the gospel. You trust Christ as your Savior. The Bible says you are put into Jesus Christ. We'll cover that in just a moment. You are in the Father's grip. You are in the Son's grip, and the Holy Spirit is the seal. You are in the Father, you are in the Son, you are in the Holy Spirit. And you are sealed in, and you are kept saved by all, each and every one of the persons of the Trinity. You are completely secure in Christ. Then you have religion, false religion comes along and says, I've had people tell me this plenty of times. What do you do with that? He says, you come to Christ, he will in no wise cast you out. It says, and neither shall any man pluck you out of my hand. My father, which gave them me is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I've had people tell me this. Well, no, uh, no one can pluck you out of the hand, but you can jump out 
You can squirm out. If you can jump out or squirm out, you are stronger than God Almighty. Because God Almighty says, no one can pluck you out of his hand. The Father keeps you in his hand. The Son keeps you in his hand. And the Holy Spirit seals you by himself into the body of Christ. Eternal security? Absolutely. Eternally secure. If you've trusted Christ as Savior, you're in there. And I'm in there too because I've trusted Christ as Savior. Now, I told you to go to Ephesians. Look at verse 30. It says this, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed. So, Ephesians chapter 1 says, The Holy Spirit is our seal. Ephesians chapter 4 says we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You might say, well, is that a contradiction? No, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit by himself. He not only seals us, he is the seal. It's a double emphasis on your security in Christ once you're saved. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed till the day of redemption. Now, don't miss this. Look at verse 30. At the end of verse 30, you are sealed how long? Till the day of redemption. What does that mean? Until we go home to be with the Lord. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and that redemption, the price that was paid, is good until we get to heaven. Then we're with the Lord for all eternity. So from the moment you get saved, he says, I've got you sealed. I'm not going to let you go, and I'm never going to let you go. I'm going to deliver you home. That's what he's saying. We see clearly in these verses that the Lord saves one way, forever. He has a plan for us as his children, yet it is a foolish idea to think that he has to keep taking times out from his plan, okay? That would be true if you could lose your salvation, or that in the end he decides that we didn't persevere well enough after all, and that all he did with us was a waste of time, and he ends up casting us into hell. You get saved. Okay, you're my child now. You're my child now. And then that child misbehaves and God says, okay, wait a minute, time out. Let's put an end to this. You're not my child anymore until you mean business and you get back on track and then I'll let you be my child again. And then I'll put my plan back into action. It's nowhere in the Bible, folks. It's nowhere in the Bible. Can you imagine? All the things that we've already seen in Ephesians, when you get saved, God puts them all into place. He puts them all into motion. And if you could lose your salvation, those things, it just comes to the, hold it, hold it, hold it, stop it, stop everything. You don't see that one place in scripture. No, you are secure forever when you trust Christ as savior. See, here's the truth. If you are not always saved, once you're saved, You were never saved to begin with. He only saves one way, and it's forever. And when you trust Christ as Savior, you're saved, and you are secure in the Father, you are secure in the Son, and you are secure in the Holy Spirit. And he's going to deliver you into the presence of God in heaven one day. Listen, here's the truth of it. If you're a believer, you can be as sure of heaven as if you're already there. Because it's a done deal, according to God. You've already been glorified. Let's go back to chapter 1. It says, talking about the Holy Spirit, He is not only our seal, He's also the earnest 
of our inheritance. Now, we don't usually use that term today. Uh, Some still use it. It's a legal term, but it is a good one. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. He is the earnest. The word earnest means the down payment. Many of us have bought something before and put a down payment on it. Maybe it's a house, maybe it's a car. And you put a down payment on it. And what that is, that's an earnest. What that means is this. Okay, this is a down payment until this is fully realized. And it is all taken care of, okay? When you trust Christ the Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit. He is the down payment on your salvation. It is God saying, okay, there's my earnest. This is mine. Okay? He is God's pledge that we will be in heaven. Nothing can undo or cancel this out. Again, folks, there is no scripture that says he undoes that. Not only that, but let's move on. What else is the Holy Spirit doing in his ministry? He is actively involved in the permanence of our salvation. We are sealed until the redemption of the purchased possession, the redeemed possession. This would refer to our glorification in heaven. See, one of the aspects of this related to the person of the Holy Spirit is what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're, we're having, a, during a Sunday school hour, we're having membership classes right now for those interested in becoming members of our church. And uh, this came up today about this issue of being put into the body of Christ. The Bible teaches that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior, you are baptized into the body of Christ. Not water baptism now. We're talking about spiritual baptism. You become part of the body of Christ the moment you trust Christ as Savior. When we believe what Christ has done for us on the cross, we're baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. We become one with Jesus Christ and every other believer in the body. By the way, that's why we ought to get along with each other as Christians. We're one with each other. Think about that. In reality, we become, in a sense, body parts of the body. Now, turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is very interesting. Again, it's another proof that once you're saved, you're saved forever. The Bible talks about, as far as an analogy or a picture, we become body parts. Your body that you have now, if you were to look at your hands, okay, you have this thing, it's called a hand. This hand has fingers on it. It's connected to the wrist. The wrist is connected to the elbow. The elbow's connected, or the elbow, the arm goes up, okay? I know we're not going to sing it from Ezekiel. (laughs) Maybe we ought to. Hip bones connected to the... uh, Anyway, okay, we got that out of our system. So this guy's crazy. That's because you're young. You probably never heard the song. Secular song taken right from the book of Ezekiel, talking about the Jews in the last days. Anyways, we become body parts, eyes, ears, nose, mouth, neck, back. We become parts of the body of Christ. Now, it's a spiritual body, but the picture is shown in Scripture And it likens us to actual body parts that we have on our physical body. And look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12. It says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. 
So all these parts make up my body. When I talk about my human body, I'm talking about all the parts of it. We got that? For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into that one spirit, okay? So we are body parts. Now, if you're a believer, hopefully you have believed in Christ. Hopefully you've trusted Christ as Savior, okay? There are some people, though, who don't get the gospel right, and they'll say this. Well, you can become part of the body of Christ. You can become a believer. But if you misbehave and if you rebel, and by the way, God doesn't want us to do that, but if we take that path, he'll have to deal with this but he'll never kick you out of the body. You're part of the body, okay? Now listen, that means you're a body part. If you're part of the body, you're a body part. If you're part of the body and you are a body part, nowhere in scripture do you see any place where body parts come up missing. It just doesn't happen. Can you imagine, let's say for an example, uh, let's say Mark Kovac. He walks in one Sunday and I said, Is that you, Mark? Yes, it's me, Pastor. Good morning. Mark, your head's missing. (laughs) And he would say probably, well, I thought I was losing my mind, but I didn't know how literal that was. No, you say, that's ridiculous. He couldn't lose his head or he loses it, but then at the end of the service, he gets it back. That would really be weird. (laughs) This is the way theology is for some people. When you trust Christ, you become part of the body. You become one of the parts. Let's say you're the hand in the body. But if they believe you can lose your salvation, then the body loses a hand, a leg, a head, an eye. It's ridiculous. But if you think you can lose your salvation, that is what you have to believe, that the parts come and go in the body of Christ. No, friend, the parts don't come and go. The thought of parts coming and going is inconceivable. Yet this would have to be the case if you could lose your salvation. No, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, it says, but you are not in the flesh if the spirit, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior. But when you trust Christ the Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit. He seals you into the body of Christ. He is the down payment of your salvation. You are secure in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can't get out. You're a permanent part of the body. He's going to deliver you one day into the very presence of God in heaven, all because you put your faith in Christ. It's all part of the marvelous plan of salvation. Let's close over in 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. It says in 1 John chapter 5, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Jesus, the name means God who is our Savior. When you believe on his name, you're putting your faith in him that he is God who will save you. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Look at what it says next, that you may, what? Know. You may know that you have eternal life. Can I ask you today, do you know that you have eternal life? Do you know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? Look up here. If this is you and me, here's our sin. Getting back to the very beginning, what we talked about this morning. We're all sinners. To get to heaven, your sin has to be paid for. It has to be gone. If you die with your sin, which would be dying in unbelief, 
If you die with your sin, you'll be lost forever, separated from God in hell. No second chances once you're there. It's appointed unto man once to die, after that the judgment. God doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants you to go to heaven. Heaven's a perfect place, though. You have to be sinless to get in. None of us are sinless in ourselves, okay? We are sinners. The Bible says we've all sinned. Now look at this. How are you going to get rid of your sin? Or religion says, well, do good things. Go to church, get baptized and all that. No, it's not of works. Look, it says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't do anything to work your sin off. That is why Jesus came. He loves us so much, this hand representing the Lord Jesus Christ. When he went to the cross, your whole lifetime of sin, he came, he took it all, and he made the payment for you, so you don't have to. He did it for you. He was buried, he rose from the grave. He says this in his word, if you'll put your faith in him that he made that payment for you, he will save you forever by his grace. You can know, based on the promise of God, that you have everlasting life. By the way, 1 John 5, 13 came from that Holy Spirit of promise. If you believe on the name of the Son of God, you may know that you have eternal life. Will you believe what God says today? Will you trust in Christ as your Savior? Right where you sit? Listen, you're not making promises that you'll fail in. Probably, most likely, you'll fail in any promises you make. You're simply saying this, God, I know I'm a sinner. Just being honest, right? I understand today there's nothing I could do to earn my way to heaven because heaven's a perfect place and I'm not. But Lord, I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ today as my Savior. I'm trusting in him to give me eternal life. And if you will trust in Christ, he'll give you eternal life today. Would you do that? Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.